Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to Government vs. the Robots, the fortnightly podcast which takes a look at how technology will influence politics in the future. This week we're looking at drones. We've all marvelled at some of the stunning images that this technology has enabled in the last couple of years, but beneath the buzz there are serious concerns about privacy and security. Daniel Ronan is one of the UK's and the world's leading drone experts, and he talks to us today about some of the things we should be excited about and some of the things we might want to be scared about. Daniel, do you want to say hi to everybody? Hi, my name's Daniel. Um, I'm a chartered engineer with specific interests in humanitarian development and um, aerospace technology. I'm the co-founder of UAV Aid, which is a specialist developer of drone or UAV, unmanned aerial vehicle technology, which is specifically targeted for um, third world and developing countries. And... Aerospace engineering, drones count as part of aerospace engineering. They do indeed. The Royal Aeronautical Society has um, its own specialism and focus on unmanned aerial vehicles. So yes, it does. And when did your mind start to drift to uh, the potential of drones or the sky from an engineering point of view? Um, It was actually more of a a coming together of a number of different... um, discussions and topics um, which seem to coalesce around looking at drones to try and satisfy a number of problems that I'd witnessed um, across the third world, um, particularly in areas where infrastructure is very, very challenging. And so tell us a little bit about what the state of play is in drone technology at the moment. What's kind of half of the course these days and what are the new advances that might be just around the corner okay that's a Jonathan that's a very very good question and it generally breaks down into three different areas depending on the type of drone that uh, you were talking about the first one and the one possibly that we see the most of in the media are these military drones they tend to be focused on applications relating to surveillance or the delivery of weapons shooting missiles or dropping bombs the technology was, for decades, pioneered by the military. As the technology has matured, it's been able to be picked up and used in the civil world. And even though the heritage of UAVs is military-based, we're now starting to see a fundamental shift, certainly in the public consciousness, towards the use of drones for peaceful and positive means. So 
if that was the, the military side, the second classification is really that which we see when we go to the toy shop, um, that of the consumer or hobbyist drone. The performance of these has been growing and improving significantly over the last few years, and that's been linked by the numbers of these drones that are being sold. A report has recently come out suggesting that over two million drones have been sold each year recently, and for people that say, well, we don't want drones, unfortunately, the genie is already out of the bottle with regards to that when we're talking about drones in those numbers. They are very good at what they do, but they are very limited in their capacity. If you're going to be spending a few hundred pounds or a few thousand pounds, you'll be getting a drone which will do what it says on the tin, but it's not going to be of that much practical use if it's going to be used seriously. Great for playing around with, great for taking to the park or some taking some snapshots um, as long as you stay within the rules, but anything more serious than that, you're going to need to, a different type of drone, and that's the one which is moving into the commercial sphere. Now the commercial sphere is where we start to see, in my opinion, the most exciting technology developments because that's where we take a look at the type of applications where the technology will be applied and the implications of that. Um, commercial drones, they tend to be sli slightly larger and they have a higher grade of performance and we are starting to see these type of drones being applied to a very, very wide range of problems and this is where I think we're going to have the greatest impact globally. The, the deployment, certainly we're in a phase at the moment where we're just starting to see initial deployments of drones in commercial applications. We have only yet just scratched the surface and these tend to fall into two or three different categories. The one which is possibly the most obvious are those of delivery drones, and these are the ones we see on television with the likes of Amazon or Google delivering things. We see trials all over the place in different capacities. The Amazon drone um, for these aerial deliveries is very well publicized in other parts of the media. Can I ask you about the Amazon drone? Because I think when people think about drones, they, they probably either think about pesky drones getting in the way of airplanes at airports, or they think about uh, the Amazon drone whizzing up and down the suburban street. Is the Amazon drone whizzing up and down the suburban street something that we're going to see in the near future? I'll, I'll answer that question by asking you to imagine something. I'd like you to imagine a world where isolated communities are able to have access to goods where they don't now. Imagine a world where there is universal access to medicines because there are no limitations on actually moving drugs or medicines about. Imagine a world where people don't die from snake bites because anti-venom can be delivered within minutes rather than potentially days or weeks using current systems. So when we take a look at are drones going to happen, if that's the real question, the answer undoubtedly I think will be yes. The question is what that implementation is going to look like. And I believe what's going to happen is there's going to be a difference in implementation between the developed world and the underdeveloped or the developing world because there are a lot of different issues relating to public acceptance and social acceptance of drone technology. Most people when they think about drones commercially probably think about Amazon 
Uh, what are Amazon up to? That's a very good question. Um, but rather than just focus on Amazon, I think it's worth discussing or spending a little time discussing delivery drones and the potential application in the developed world. Um, the the model which Amazon appear to be following is to be offering, when obviously the regulators allow, delivery within minutes rather than hours or days of effectively items which are being held in these vast warehouses. Now this could have a very, very disruptive effect on the commercial landscape within the UK. Because if you think about the number of businesses which have set up their entire business model on their ability to ship same day, so you're looking at next day delivery. If you have one, two, or maybe even three players come along and say, well actually, forget next day delivery, that's old hat, we've got delivery to you in minutes. Those companies that are not able to offer that if the their whole raison d'etre is based on the speed of delivery and speed of response, if they can't do this half an hour or one hour delivery, they're out of business. So this could have a huge impact on the commercial landscape for the UK and the developed world. And certainly if I was the chief exec of a number of these companies, I would be worried. And presumably thinking beyond the impact on, on DHL or even ASOS as a fashion label that gets stuff out pretty quickly... You know, are we going to be reading about how drones killed the high street in 10 years' time? Well, we've been reading about how the high, high street has been killed for many, many years um, with lots and lots of different reasons, ranging from um, business rates to the lack of on-street parking or over-regulated parking for these areas. Um, I don't necessarily think it will kill the high street because, generally speaking, certainly if we're looking at having some drone flights taking place within these areas that's one thing but then having drone flights taking place carrying large or significant items that's something else and I'd suggest that that's another generation or two after after or, or later what we when these drone commercial drone delivery drone flights do take place I would suggest it's most likely going to be for fairly small or fairly light items and we'll be doing that for a number of years before we start to take a look at heavier items being transported. So I, there may be some retailers um, the high, on the high street which will be affected, but I actually don't think it will be very many. Um, we've seen a lot of eye-catching videos taking place where there are certain pizza delivery companies want to be delivering your pizza to you um, instead of sending it on a, on a bike. Well, there are going to be consequences and uh, limitations to that. But at the other side, you've also got companies that want to deliver your sandwich to you. Well, realistically, what do the economics look like? And I suggest we're going to be, we're quite away, away from that being economically viable. And so what's the most mind-bending scenario you would, you would dare to posit at this point that, that drones could lead us towards in the next decade or so? That's a very good question. Um, I think very much it's to do with where. It's not just what the technology can do, but it's where it's going to be applied. If we're looking at mind-bending, then if we're looking at uh, within the UK, for example, we'll, the obvious one are delivery drones. It's where you're on the internet, you're on your mobile phone, you order something, and the drone will potentially follow you down the street with your delivery, giving it to you almost instantly. That would be the um, the end stage, or certainly the blue sky. Do I think that's going to happen in the foreseeable future? No, I don't. I'm, I'm very 
open to being proved wrong, but I don't think I will be in this case. Um, where we are looking at um, more rural or difficult to reach areas of the world, it's to do with providing a reliable communication network not just in terms of data but a physical communications network to these areas and certainly within the next decade that's going to be the next the challenge for us to be able to do that because that's going to have huge consequences for how many of these countries configure themselves in terms of providing welfare and governance to these communities. And so at the moment you've got your kind of amateur use of drones and you've got Amazon doing trials um, this all seems sort of fairly benign um, give or take the odd near miss with an aircraft which wouldn't be benign if it came to pass um, you know at the moment we're at low level use when might, might we start to see things step up beyond low level use and drones become something that in an urban environment at least you'd be used to seeing every day I think a lot of that's going to come down to our regulators. It's going to come down to governments. It's going to come, to come down, certainly in the United Kingdom, to the Civil Aviation Authority and the rules that they're going to be applying to the use of drones. Um, I think at the moment with, it's fairly unlikely that we're going to be seeing drones flying over urban or even suburban areas anytime soon. It may happen, I may be surprised, but certainly within the developed world I think it's unlikely. We are probably quite a few years away from having drones flying over Ilford, for example. But if we take a look at other parts of the world where the airspace is less congested, where the population density is far lower, where there are no alternatives or very limited alternatives for moving things about or moving information about, such as rural areas in the developing world or very difficult to reach areas, the adoption of drones is going to happen much, much sooner. The issues relating to public acceptance are going to be very different as well. And we saw, we've, we've, we've seen over the last couple of years, a number of routine commercial services being offered, one in about to start or has started in Tanzania. We've already seen the Zipline company from the United States running a commercial service in Malawi where they have been using drones to deliver blood supplies, um, specifically for childbirth, um, with a view to saving lives. The, the key opportunity there has very clearly been what's quicker and what's more effective and potentially what's cheaper is it to fly it out, fly it using a small drone, make a delivery, or send the same medical supply on a motorbike or in a car or some other mechanism to get to the destination. And in the same way that we have in the UK the air ambulance, it's not because there aren't any roads in the UK, it's because there are times where you just need that person or that medical delivery performed immediately and time is of the essence. Drones I think in many ways will be performing a similar service but rather than obviously collecting people they'll be delivering medical supplies. And I uh, for my sins was on the Daily Mail website this weekend and one of the stories related to an incident that had happened at a festival um, where somebody had suffered a heart attack and there were photos accompanying that story uh, which had clearly been taken from drones which had been flown over the festival site so in, an, in a normal emergency situation the police tape off the area uh, and you can't see within it but if you're a Daily Mail paparazzi photographer and you've got a drone you can fly over it and get some pictures and they can end up on the Daily Mail website are there 
other ways or is that the main way in which there are kind of serious potential privacy implications for the use of drones? Um, well, we have to be very clear as to whether those photographs, and I'm not suggesting they were taken illegally, but we need to take into consideration as to whether they were actually allowed. The fact that drone flights are taking place in areas where they shouldn't be doesn't necessarily mean it's right and it doesn't necessarily mean it's legal. So we certainly have an enforcement issue of the existing rules and regulations which will need to be considered, particularly within the UK. Um, we do know that drones, or rather the, the rules around drone use, are being changed and modified. Uh, the government is currently consulting and they are, if I'm not mistaken, drones weighing over 250 grams will need to be registered and the users will also be required to pass an exam on drone awareness and where you can and can't fly them. The case you're citing I don't know the specifics of it, but in principle, flying drones over people is not permitted. You need to maintain certain height and distance away from people and or buildings, whether they're individual or whether it's built up. Um, current rules are that you need to maintain a line of sight of the drone and that there are a, a number of other considerations which need to be taken. Um, even though we see a lot of drone use around, with regards to privacy, we see their use of, well, someone's going to come in and take pictures. I believe that the only the privacy issues don't just relate around the paparazzi, as you've said. If we are looking at delivery drones running about all over the place, question, are there going to be photographs taken or is there going to be video streaming from these drones as the aircraft is flying in transit? We don't yet know. If there are, what happens to those images? We had, um, over the last couple of weeks, we've seen the case of the police helicopter where the camera and photographics were used inappropriately. Well, what happens to that data? And again, we have privacy issues. The only difference here is that, yes, there was one police helicopter which had been used inappropriately, but we are potentially looking at large numbers of drones, and so the risks increase very significantly, significantly from there. And it's often the case, particularly in the kind of national consciousness, that there's a tipping point moment where an incident occurs that captures everybody's attention or imagination and, and things kind of move quite quickly from there. Is there a sort of high-risk scenario that's just waiting to happen with, with, with drone use in the UK at the moment, in your view? Um, it would be very easy for me to say, well, once an aircraft actually ingests one of these drones in its engines as it's coming into land at Heathrow, something will have to be done. It's very easy to say that, but um, I sincerely hope that nothing like that does happen because there are obvious um, consequences for that. Um, I suspect what's going to happen is we'll end up with a period of time where the drone regulations are going to be tightened, we're going to see improvements or changes in enforcement within the UK, but the flip side of that is I also think we're going to start to see a greater awareness as to where drones can be used to improve the quality of life for people in the UK and overseas. But What's more likely, the way that this is most likely to play out, in my opinion, is we're not going to see the wholesale uptake of drones in the developing in the developed world first. We're actually going to see the developing world, areas that are remote and difficult to reach, they're going to leapfrog the UK and other parts of Western Europe and North America, for example, with their adoption. Because there are already lower 
uh, or less privacy issues, there's lower social concern for the use of drones, and the benefits are m more significantly outweighing the potential problems, what we're going to see is the implementation of drone technology, particularly doing deliveries for emergency supplies where it becomes almost a no-brainer. You send the drone and save the life, or you don't send the drone and the person unfortunately dies, it becomes a much, much easier decision there. So we will see the third world leapfrogging the implementation of this technology, and they will reap the benefits of it. Um, my belief is that the world will be looking at the implementation of this, of drones, in that context first, and then it will be rolled out to the rest of the world once a number of other problems have been resolved, including that of air traffic control. You're listening to Government versus the Robots. We'll be back in a few seconds after this advert break. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. And we're back. This week we're talking to Daniel Ronan, who's taking a look at how drones will affect the politics of the future. I guess... As well, in the developing world, we kind of most of us would have seen imagery of drone attacks, kind of taking out uh, terrorists, as it seemed, particularly through the Western consciousness. Um, and that's something that, if you're living in a country under drone surveillance, where drones have been used as weapons, you're kind of used to the potential security implications of having drones in the skies. Are there security implications of having drones in the skies for those of us in the UK and the West? Um. It's a very good question, and it really comes down to two issues. One is the technology inherently unsafe, and that's something which will need to be proven, i.e. we don't want drones either crashing into each other in the air, or we don't want them just failing whilst they're up in the air and then falling down on someone. So there's the issue of, is the technology safe, and can it be proven to be safe and airworthy? The second aspect relates to the misuse of drones, and that's where we have some major concerns in terms of if drones are able to be acquired by people and they are used for potentially terrorist acts, 
these are real genuine concerns. And before I move on to talk about something a bit brighter and some of the opportunities that come with this technology as well, in your view, or from your understanding, how up to speed are political decision makers with regards to the potential ramifications of drone use here at home? Historically, what we've actually found is over the last few years, the technology has outpaced the ability for the regulators to keep up. We've been making some huge strides in what we can do, but the rules around them have been, um, they've been blanket rules relating to aircraft. And so we've been very limited, I say we in terms of the UAV technology community, have been having to apply rules which are designed for manned aircraft, we've needed to apply them for drones. Now, as the rules and regulations are being amended, they're being adjusted, the government's currently consulting, we are starting to see a much greater consciousness and awareness um, by our regulators, by politicians, by governments, not just in the UK but worldwide, because there is this pressure from one side to say, look, drones can really improve the quality of lives of the population, but on the other side, there's the pressure and the concerns around, is it safe? Is it something, just because we can do it, is it something we want to do? I believe in uh, in time we will start to see a transition where we will have more drones being used, as I said, I think it'll happen it first in the developing world, and then it will happen in the developed world as we start to build it in. And I think generally as the public become more accepting of drones flying over them. And presumably it's, it's actually quite a knotty issue, because if any regulatory framework at the moment focuses on airspace, you know, the minute this starts to become about whether your garden is your own or whether your whether a football stadium is safe it will be a different set of security and privacy regulation and legislation that is the relevant area for politicians to be talking about so it feels like a complicated one to get right i actually think it's going to be hugely complicated um we know that the civil aviation authority has just um published its revised drone code where it is specifically clarifying the rules around the use of very small effectively consumer or hobbyist drones but it's going to be where we start to look at potentially some of the drones that are slightly larger those that can do a little more they're a bit more interesting in terms of their capability um, the range of applications where they can improve the quality of lives of people um, that's where we're going to start to see these different pressures coming together um, but even now the rules are very clear in terms of where if you went down to the, your local toy shop, bought a drone, you couldn't fly it over your neighbour's garden because the rules are there that says, no, that's not permitted. Now, how effectively those rules are being enforced is a completely different matter, but the rules are there. And in a, in a hypothetical world, if, if you were advising a hypothetical political actor as to two or three things that they should probably do quite quickly in order to sort of safeguard or, or catalyse the impact of drones on society for good, what might be the two or three things you would advise them to be thinking about? Um, if we're talking about UK politicians specifically, I would essentially try to encourage them to, one, start to see if the social consciousness can be increased in terms of awareness of drones and the potential positive and maybe negative impact of drones. Um, I would also very, very strongly encourage investment in the UK drone industry. 
We are currently one of the leading players in the world. We know that the use of drones is coming. There's very, very little uh, evidence to say that it's not. We've had a couple of years ago, or well, last year I think, um, PwC issued a report that said by 2020, $127 billion worth of services will be provided by drones and drone technology. Now, this is not something which is going to go away. So what I would really suggest if we were having a discussion with some of our politicians or those that are looking at the regulatory framework is it's this is not something that can be swept under the carpet we need to be leading on this and helping to shape the application of drones and UAVs rather than waiting for other countries to perhaps establish the frameworks for us to base our response on. And what do you get most excited about I, I want to talk about the rest of the world in a moment and particularly your bread and butter of UAV aid in a, in a UK context, thinking about what the drone sector could do, what excites you most? I think mostly for the UK, bearing in mind that drone deliveries are, they are the ultimate prize, I think. But where we are now looking, we're already starting to see drones making a tangible improvement in the ability for our public services to be delivered. We've seen them, we've had them used for various uh, responses by our emergency services as well um, to the way that these services are being delivered. But we also have parts of the UK which are perhaps a little more remote where we're looking at search and rescue type of operations where the capability can be used to enhance the services to um, perhaps fill in some gaps or improve response times in various areas. And you've talked a bit about the potential of drones in the rest of the world. I think those of us who've travelled through some of the more modern airports on other continents are well aware that actually the the existing infrastructure in the UK and the West often holds us back from being able to be as ambitious as we would like. What are some of the ways that drones can add value in in a context where there's less of a regulatory burden, but also simply less to get in the way of rolling out drone technology? This is the really exciting area now. Um, I believe, because what we're looking at is every week um, we're, we're sitting down, I sit down with colleagues, and new applications are found for this, um, ranging from, as I mentioned, we've got postal deliveries to remote communities, we've got access to medicines where we're looking at delivery drones, but thinking about it and going one stage further, what about the ability to actually to map the rainforests so that we can make sure that logging isn't taking place where it shouldn't do? What about protecting wildlife, um, stopping poaching? We've got reducing road traffic generally in certain areas because we're able to take some of the deliveries off the roads and fly it by air. The, the number of applications, it just goes on and on and on. And certainly, um, in my mind, we've barely scratched the surface on what drones can do and certainly the application of the technology. And you're particularly interested in the application of the technology in a humanitarian space? That's right, yes. We, re- we actually see that there, there are two aspects for this. The first one is looking at humanitarian and e- economic development in underdeveloped parts of the world. These areas are generally characterised by a lack of ground infrastructure, meaning it's very difficult to get um, items to there. So we, we have some examples where, which we often cite where medicines in particular, because they tend to be time sensitive or require temperature control, um, and they are always fairly limited in availability, are stuck in one warehouse, they're needed in a particular clinic, but they can't get there because, for example, it's the rainy season and the roads have been washed away. 
or we've got them at regional distribution centres, but there are populations and communities that live on islands and there just isn't a regular ferry service. The local ferries, or the closest they can get to a ferry service, is a fisherman that happens to be sailing past the island. So we're talking about some very, very fundamental changes to the quality of life and welfare of these communities. But we then take a look also at other issues, not just in terms of deliveries, but in terms of data and data management. Governments are able to use drones to regularly and routinely map agricultural land so they can improve the productivity of agricultural areas. We're able to see how communities that are generally cut off from accessing information, drones are able to provide lifelines to them for accessing a whole range of other services. And what can your drones do that other drones can't? Ah, that's a great question, and that's obviously the, <laughs> uh, the wonderful prize. Um, what we've actually done is we've developed a drone which is uniquely able to be reconfigured in the field for performing delivery functions and or performing aerial mapping and or providing aerial surveillance. So what we have is one platform which we can change at will whilst we're out in the middle of nowhere to perform a number of different functions. And so what that allows us to do is effectively cater for the local needs of the people with minimal training, minimal backup, minimal infrastructure requirements and therefore minimal cost. So it's bringing the benefits of drones and drone technology to the broadest number of people and the broadest range of areas. Going off at a tangent, as, as these conversations sometimes mm-hmm. do, it, to your knowledge, in terms of big service providers back here in the UK, but also big service providers globally, are any of them, I mean, is the NHS thinking about drones and how to use them? And where might conversations between big service providers, public service providers and drone manufacturers, where, where do they take place? Are they taking place? There are, again, a lot of this comes down to the scale and I suppose the type of drones. Um, we're seeing fire services that are using drones to inspect buildings. Um, and there are a number of, I'd say, fairly s- small organisations based in the UK that whenever there are natural disasters or large-scale disasters that will fly across the world and provide typically aerial surveillance. So they'll be using um, copter type of drones to go inspect buildings um, in response to these large-scale disasters and hopefully provide information so that the response services can, uh, can deliver a more effective response quicker. Um, one of the great advantages of using drones is that they're not subject to cloud cover and it's a lot cheaper to fly a drone than a helicopter and if there is cloud or if the weather is bad, satellites won't work because the satellites can't see through the cloud. By having drones with you, you can stick them up in the air and you can get the images instantly. Um, whether those images are static, you can also get our uh, the UAVA platform will actually provide streaming video as well. So you can see what's happening live in real time and provide data for the response services to base uh, their next actions on. My last question is the same last question I've asked everybody who's appeared on this podcast. You now, as as an entrepreneur and as an engineer, are thinking about trying to make things happen that aren't already happening. And where you've seen people, individuals, be successful in making things happen. What do you think are the characteristics that they've demonstrated when they've pursued success or change or whatever their end goal is? 
persistence. <laughs> um, the if you know what you're doing is right, if what you're doing you know is going to have a greater impact on the world around you, it's a phenomenal motivator, and it gets certainly gets me up in the morning. Um, as we look at not just developing the technology, but it's more to do with the application. And certainly with drones, that's the key issue. It's about the application of the technology rather than are you able to make it go a few kilometers an hour faster. Um, with all of these things, it's a, 90% is the perspiration. Yes, there's inspiration in there. Yes, you need to have the right ideas. But it's my belief that a lot of it is persistence. If it's the right idea, you just happen to be ahead of your time, then you need to help shape the landscape so that when the time is right, you're ready and you're able to actually implement effectively. Daniel Ronan, thank you very much for coming to this occasionally lonesome spot here in North London. Um, I really appreciate your time. It's been great talking to you. Thank you very much. Jonathan, it's a pleasure. Thank you. So, drones definitely feel to me like the most double-edged technology we've discussed so far. Thank you to Cecilia Armstrong for her help editing and producing this episode. I'll try and find something more cheerful for next time, but for this time, if you like what you've heard, please like us, share us, tell your friends about us, or follow us on social media. You can find us on Twitter at Government versus the Robots, which is G-O-V-T underscore V-S Robots, Facebook at Government vs the Robots, or find me on Twitter at Tanner JC. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.